Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 20 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chosen Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show. We share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you today? I am uh, fantastic, actually. Do you want to know why? I would love to know why. I just found out that Hook is on Netflix. Is it really? Yeah, I think they, Why like, did just you not tell me about this in the conversation that we just had that has been going on for a half an hour while we were discussing the stars that we were going to talk about this week? I was saving it for, for now. Because I'll tell you, I got a couple of garbage news. stars in here that I'm going to try to limp my way through, but we could have talked about Hook. No, man, this is gold. This is good stuff. This is good stars this week. I'm excited. Okay, well, we'll hook it up next week. <laughs> Dave, but this week, Matt, we're watching episode 20, as I may have mentioned, uh, it is called Marriage Vacuum Cleaner. It's a guy episode, but before that, Dave, yeah, man, what, you got a problem with guy being in an episode called Marriage Vacuum Cleaner? (laughs) A tiny, uh, just a tiny bit, a little bit. Don't worry, it's not his marriage. (laughs) It's also not his vacuum cleaner, I don't Thing. But before we get to that date, before we get to that, we have to get into our award-winning opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens. We get to. There are five stars. What is our first star of the week? Our first star of the week, Matt, is a uh, video game. It's called The Room. Uh, Specifically, I'm talking about The Room 3 because it just came out. And it's the uh, uh, the mobile game. Right? I'll tell you what, I have played uh, The Room and The Room 2. I was not aware that there was a Room 3. So The Room series is, uh, they're on mobile, or really, I guess you could play them on like an iPad or something. Frankly, they would probably be better on like a larger tablet device, because there's a lot going on on the screen. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're really, really cool. They're uh, puzzle-style games where you're sort of like wandering around this like weird mansion, kind of. But there's a couple of really neat elements. Uh, first of all, it's like conceptually just very, very cool because it's about like like 1800s, like early 1900s, but there's like dimensional travel happening and you've got like a crazy lens that you can look through that reveals like a fourth dimension and things are going from three dimensions to two dimensions and like sliding around and stuff. Um, yeah, what's, what, you know what, what it reminds me of a little this bit? game is that, because um, I've played, as I said, I played the first two and what's really you cool. definitely play the third one. Oh, I, I, now that I know that it exists, I am absolutely going to do that. But what's really cool about it is that there is, you can tell while you are playing it that they have developed like a background story for this puzzle game. Like there is a mythos to this they don't oh yeah really explain but you kind of pick it up like as you play the no. game it's like hidden in letters it, and such 
Yeah, it's very uh, atmospheric. Like, there's no narrator. The ca- like the character, like, because theoretically you are playing through this game as like a person, but the person has zero personality, so they're not telling you anything about anything that's going on. And uh, yeah, you run into like books and notes and pictures and letters, but at no point is there any like direct narration. So everything you're getting from the story is kind of in bits and pieces. So it's really well told. And the gameplay is super, super fun. And it's uh, it's really neat. And I was thinking about this earlier today, Matt, and I think I realized why I like this series so much. Oh, yeah? Is that they are, they're mobile games, and, you know, they're played on, like, a touch interface. And I feel like they're one of very, very few games that I've ever played that uh, would not actually be as fun if you weren't playing it with like a touch-based interface. Oh, that's you totally know I mean? true. It's all like grabbing like, and twisting and like it's a very yeah. sort of tactile-based game. Yeah, like it wouldn't be as good if you were just playing it with like a mouse and like a, you know, or a controller or something. It's vastly, vastly cooler that you're kind of like you're touching the thing and it's sliding around and doing all this stuff. It makes me really hopeful actually for the future of like connect games you know what i mean games are sort of really watching what you're doing and you're interacting with these worlds in a in a very physical way um but the games are super super cool they're tons of fun each one's only they're like five bucks i think and uh and a Not steal even, a think. steal I, at five dollars they could be five I yeah well okay the re- most recent one is five now i'm just doing a commercial which i'm not like i don't want to do um the Super Sentai Brothers like they're brought to so you by good. the Room Three, <laughs> right? Um, they're just such good games. So I I was playing it before we started this. I'll probably keep playing it uh, when we're done because I'm about to find like a fifth dimension, and I'm like following a guy <laughs> okay. around called the Craftsman, uh, and he's like leaving clues, and he's like, ah, I've like forged a key for you, and you were like following my footsteps. Uh, no, it's they're awesome. Great. They're like they're weird virtual puzzle boxes. Yeah, because uh, I realized so, that we've but, been talking about it for like five minutes and not actually described what the game is like. We said there was like a twisty pulley thing, and we said there were puzzles. That's true. Uh, but yeah, it's like a giant virtual puzzle box, and you should definitely. I think the room three is the best one so far, but you should definitely play one and two first. Because, th- like, it assumes that you've played the first two games. Yes, absolutely. Just in terms of, like, kind of explaining the story to you. And so I will cool. warn you, uh, if you are not on a newer mobile device, uh, for whatever reason, this game, like, draws on all of the resources that your phone or tablet has. And, like, I could not <laughs> yeah. play The Room of the Room 2 for a long time without it getting my phone getting so physically warm that I could not continue to play because, like, it was uncomfortable for my fingertips. Yeah, it will straight up devour your battery. Uh, it does not mess around in terms of like system resources. I don't actually know. Which doesn't make uh, but any it is, sense for should... a game that is all about just like picking up a thing and like twisting it around to see the back. But whatever, that's what it does. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of graphics. I don't know, man. I'm not a I'm not a com- I'm not a computerizer. I don't know what that. I don't know how to work it. Uh, <laughs> but the room, you <laughs> should play them. You say. Yeah, computerizer. Um, I'm a wordsmith, Matt. That's that's one thing that I am. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you guys should play. You guys should play the room. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome for introducing that into your lives, uh, Matt. 
What is our second star of the week? Okay, so our second star of the week is, as you will recall, last week was the final bus update because I got a new job, and now right. I'm not taking the bus anymore. I actually have to like get in my again. car and drive it like with the steering wheel and stuff to get to work in the morning. You know, like an animal like, does. Like a true American, you mean? Is that what you mean? Instead no, it's, of it's like actually, a... I'll tell you what. There are. While I am like brushing the snow off of my car, I am like extremely sad. Like, <laughs> oh, why am I not just getting on the bus? And then when I get in my car and drive past my old bus stop and see the people standing outside, I think like, ha ha, like suckers. <laughs> yeah, right. You're in a car. Like I said, like an American instead of like a European pinko kami riding some sort of socialist group riding transportation. Some sort of I don't know. The buses are actually transportation very nice. that is like right there and drives you directly to work, where you don't have to wait for your car to dry- warm up. You know, like one of those terrible situations. Anyway, so the the weird thing is that I like I have not had a commute to work in. About a year and a half. And even in my last job, I didn't live that far from where my previous job had been. So this is the first time in like, I don't know, five years that I've had like an actual work commute. And Dave, it is bugging me out. Like, I really don't know how to handle it. Because here's the thought that goes through my head every day as I've been driving home. Mm-hmm. I just think like, well, this drive wouldn't be so bad, except there's all this traffic, which is like, <laughs> like it's a, it's rush hour, like it is rush hour, and I'm driving home from work. Of course there is traffic, but I haven't like loosened that bit in my brain that every time this week I have been driving home, I think like, man, it stings that traffic is like this today. I hope it's better tomorrow. It's not going to be better tomorrow. It's never going to be better. That is the nature of people driving to and from work that I just have to reprogram into my brain. And it has been, like, psychologically damaging. <laughs> yeah, that is, um, yeah, that's a rough one, I guess, to have to build back into your universe. Although I will I, say, uh... there, there have been, there have been some upsides. Uh, first of all, I don't have to wait for the bus in the cold in like the seven that's, degree, no, that's lovely. like, you know, wind chill anymore. Uh, no, that's great. and today here's a thing that happened to me. It's not a bus update. It's, I don't know. Maybe I'll find something to replace the bus update. Not ever fully. That'll always be special in my heart, but maybe, maybe just maybe I can replace it with like a commute update. Commute update. It doesn't have the same ring, but we'll go with it. So I get in my car today, and as I had been brushing the snow off of my car, a garbage truck had driven by. And I was sort of stuck behind it in the road, because there's not a lot of room on my street. So I'm waiting for them to, like, grab a dumpster to load into this thing. And I look up at the garbage truck. And looking back at me... Like, hanging down from the top bit of the garbage truck where everything gets loaded into is a stuffed animal. And Dave, listen, when I say stuffed animal, you are thinking the size of, like, a regular animal. But that is not Not what I was looking at. I was looking at a stuffed animal the size of a human. So so we're talking like a a carnival prize stuffed animal. Imagine, like, a 
like a carnival prize slash like mascot suit of like an old, old, dirty, dingy, stuffed dog. The top half of which was just like leaning out from the top of a garbage truck in the morning, staring back at you as you were waiting to get on the road to work. And I, okay, here are a couple of options of Matt, what this could be. Listen, Matt, I've got some very bad news for you. What? Uh, listen, I'm just saying I've seen a lot of movies. I and might have been like cursed. An 85%, there's like an 85% chance that that was just a corpse. Like there's an actual human body in that suit. Okay. And uh, that's... That's yeah. one of the options that I was entertaining this morning. Right, Option or number a horrifying one, curse, also actual, possible. Yes, so actual corpse, actual curse. I kind of figured those ones would go together. Option yeah, that number makes two. Sense. Option number two is that someone, somewhere, for some reason, was throwing away a human-sized stuffed dog, and it just got stuck in the gears such that it was staring back at me like a weird monster. <laughs> Well, man, I think I know. I I might know why they were throwing it away, uh, because it's an actual human corpse. In there. That's why they were throwing it away. Uh, almost definitely. <laughs> okay. So okay. So we have curse. We have uh, inadvertently thrown away. Here is the third and maybe most upsetting option: is that the guys whose truck that is. Found that somewhere and decided, you know what? We are going to set this up in here on purpose in such a way that it is always looking down on us. It will be the mascot of our garbage truck. And the idea that someone would decide to put like a giant fetid stuffed animal like forever mounted on the top of a garbage truck to stare down at commuters like... I'm not going to say that's worse than an actual corpse that has cursed me, but it's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm Listen, it is. I'm comfortable saying it's not nearly as bad as an actual human corpse that has cursed you. Uh, but it is super creepy, and uh, and that's... I don't know, man. That's weird. Anyway. That's a weird one. So, so this is what happens when you stopped riding the bus every day. Dave, what is our third star? So our third star of the week, Matt, is uh, so I'm I'm working on this uh, little project for class, and it's uh, it's kind of an update slash like minor annotation of of uh, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Okay, which I'm doing for class uh, for a number of reasons that I won't bother to go into. However, uh, here's the funny part. So your English teacher in high school, and Matt, you and I had the same English teacher, but True. one's English teacher in high school. Uh, everybody says like. Oh, Shakespeare was like super dirty, everybody. Like, tee hee hee. And they tell you like one or two like tiny dirty jokes that Shakespeare throws in. Uh, your English teacher, they were, they were right. Uh, and they did not tell you the whole truth. Because the whole truth, and I'm just kind of remembering this like as I'm going, like kind of really going through with a fine tooth comb. All is right. That Shakespeare is just like, relentlessly filthy. Okay. Um, he is like, yeah, he is like the Bob Saget of great literature. But like the uh, Bob just, Saget it, today, not the Bob Saget of the 90s. Uh, not the Bob Saget of Full House. Let's okay. say it that way. 
Okay, uh, so my Dave, understanding why don't you is... uh, be everyone's English teacher and sort of lay this out for me? Okay. Lay- Insofar as you can do on a family-friendly po- podcast. Right. Okay. So I just, I'm going to be forced to be like a tiny bit crude, maybe, but here's the deal. Uh, first of all, Shakespeare loves dick jokes, okay. loves them, thinks they're hilarious. Uh, yeah. Loves dick jokes, loves fart jokes, like fart slash like <laughs> okay. poop jokes. Real big fan. Uh, loves, loves like kind of any sort of like dirty sex joke. Okay. Especially... Especially if he can like mask it like a pun, uh, or if he can sort of like like slide it in there a little bit in sort of a way that's just like I'm dirty but also very clever. Sure, sure. Uh, okay, so like for example, Romeo and Juliet, like the very, like, the very very first scene, it's like just two dudes talking, and uh, one guy is talking to another, like, it's the two guys' names are uh, Samson and Gregory, all right? Okay. So it's Samson and Gregory, and they're talking, and Gregory, like, Samson is kind of, like, the stupider of the two, and Gregory keeps kind of, like, telling jokes, like, on him, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And, uh, right. And so Samson says uh, something, it says, me they shall feel while I am able to stand, and tis known I am a pretty piece of flesh. He's talking about, like, I'm a good-looking dude, right? Okay. And Gregory... Says, well, because, like, the difference between flesh and fish, like meat and fish, right? And Gregory says, well, tis well thou art not fish. If thou hadst, thou hadst been poor John. Um, and okay. here's the joke. Yeah, right. So here's the joke. So uh, poor John is dried, salted fish, right? Sure. Okay. And I, say, I said and so, sure like, as though I knew that. I did not. Right, yeah. It's, uh, again, this is one of the things, like, this is one of the jokes you sort of just have to get it, like, you have to know. Uh, but poor John is dried salted fish. And uh, so Gregory basically has just been talking about, I'm sorry, Samson has just been talking about, like, how handsome he is and how he, like, makes it with all the ladies. Uh, uh-huh. And Gregory, in comparing him to dried fish, like, he's making a good dick joke. Like, he's making fun of Samson's penis, comparing it to, like, dried salted fish. He's like, yeah, no. Like, you're... <laughs> like, this is Shakespeare. Like, the greatest writer in the English language. And he's the making bard. jokes. The bard of Avon. Right. And <laughs> he's making, like, dick jokes. Um, like, later, Mercutio is talking to Romeo, and he's, like, making some joke about a medlar fruit which I actually had to look this one up. And I was like, I know there's a dirty joke in here. Like, I just know it. Because, like, I can see the shape of it, even if I don't get the joke itself. Okay, so at this you point, you have, you have been exposed to this enough that, like, you can recognize. Like, I don't recognize the words here, but I know that if I were to interpret this, somewhere in here, there is a dick joke. Right. Somewhere in here, there is, like, <laughs> I can expand it to genitalia joke. But he makes a joke about, like, medlar fruit, and apparently, like, it was this uh, Elizabethan joke that it sort of looked like a vagina. And, like, he's like, ah, Romeo, I bet you wish, like, Juliet was a medlar fruit and you were, like, a popper in pear, which is, like, a type of pear, but also sounds like popper in. Um, uh-huh. There's a lot more. There's a whole, just... Just a lot, a lot more. Uh, 
That's basically it. I just got a kick out of the fact that, uh, yes, in fact, Shakespeare is dirty, and he's just way, just so, so much dirtier uh, than your English teacher told you. But that's why I'm here uh, to tell you these jokes. So that, Matt, is our third star of the week. What is uh, star number four? Dave, star number four is uh, something else with uh, four in the title. I have been playing Far Cry 4 this week. Oh, right on. And, dude, if you played played the Far Cry games, games, I think I mentioned them in a much earlier episode when I was playing Blood Dragon. Yeah, yeah, I think I played, like, one, like, way back when. Oh, dude, I I never played one and two, the, like, the heads-up display in Far Cry 2 was so bad that, like, I just can't play the game. But the gameplay in Far Cry 3 is amazing. Uh, you're like running all over this island and hunting people down and like clearing out forts and doing all this great stuff. But the problem with Far Cry 3 is that the story in Far Cry 3 is troublesome. Because uh, okay. it's all about like this like jerk, like frat dude from America who ends up in Thailand, I think. And just, it's right. just him sure. fighting a bunch of, like, native, like, Thai people who are embroiled in this big conflict. And he just, like, shoves himself in there. It's, listen, I'm not going to go into, like, big details as to, like, why this game has some issues. But the story in Far Cry 3 had issues. But the gameplay was amazing. Like, it was such a fun game. And Far <laughs> okay. Cry 4... Like, took all of the fun stuff from Far Cry 3 and replaced the stuff that was, like, sort of cringy. And now it's just, like, this beautiful game where you just get to, like, run around in the Himalayas with, like, a shotgun and a bow and arrow, like, taking part in this weird, like, revolution. Dude, Far Cry 4 is great. You get to ride elephants. You ride elephants and you blow stuff up. I I don't know what else you could want out of a video game. I can't think of a whole lot, to be honest. Oh, that sounds awesome. I got to get those. Dude, I've got kind of a backlog because I've got some DLC to play on Witcher 3. I haven't touched the new Assassin's Creed game. I haven't really played uh, the uh, Transformers Destruction because I've been, I've, I've been still playing Fallout 4, which I actually just beat uh, again. Okay. So two full playthroughs uh, now? Yeah, two full playthroughs. I got to say... Um, I was a little, this is actually the only bad thing so far that I have to say about Fallout 4 is that the, I followed like a totally different story path this time and it just didn't feel like terribly different. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, Like in the previous Fallout games, Fallout 3 and stuff, like it really felt very distinct if you did like one thing versus another thing. And this thing was like, well, you know, you went to a different place and like you shot a different guy and you found a different MacGuffin, but it didn't like the the vibe was was still pretty similar. Yeah, uh, like it was it's still really fun, but I was a little bit bummed out. I was expecting a little bit more divergence from that. But uh, there you have it. But I, de- dude, I think I definitely have to play those Far Cry games. Like they're super famous. I don't know why I haven't played them. Absolutely. Yet. Listen, Just, I mean, you can you, know. you can jump straight to three or four, but like you should definitely try at least one of those games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what, Matt, is our fifth star of the week, dude? Fifth star of the week. It's. I almost feel a little bad bringing it up, except that. Uh, there are some other things around it that I want to talk about because I have not actually read the okay. book that I'm about to recommend. 
But, dude, I just finally, and I don't know what took me so long, I finally bought the uh, Darwin Cook adaptation of the old Richard Stark slash Donald Westlake uh, Parker book, uh, Slayground. And dude, oh, listen, dude. those, okay, and this is why I'm bringing it up, because it finally gives me an excuse to talk about something that I don't think we've mentioned on the show before. Those adaptations of the Parker books, which, and Parker is like, so, I don't know, Dave, how do you, how would you describe the Parker books? Um, okay, so Parker is, uh, in a number of ways, I feel like, kind of an American equivalent to James Bond, uh, James Bond obviously works for the government. Parker, on the other hand, is a professional thief slash criminal. But both characters are, they're sort of these intriguing characters. They're not necessarily like good guys. Oh, no. Like James Bond is not like a good dude. Oh, no. And James Parker's Bond like is a... very definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And Parker's like, he's definitely a criminal. And he's not like a criminal with a heart of gold. But he is a criminal with a very set, strong sense of like honor and like principles. He's a, on some he's level. a criminal with an art, with a heart of professionalism. Yes, and like yes, professional that's a pride. great way to say it. Yeah, he's not just like he's not like robbing banks. This dude is like a professional criminal. Um, and so, if you dig heist movies, for example, Parker is kind of like right in that vein. Darwin's Cook adaptation of the Parker novels is incredibly good. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, I can thank you for turning me on to them, actually. Because, yeah, I, 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 it's it's funny. A couple of years ago, uh, I think two years ago for Christmas, you bought me the first three or four Parker novels, like the like the original Parker novels for Christmas. Yeah. And that same year, I bought you like that big hardcover collection of the first few uh, like Darwin Cook adaptations of those exact same novels. Yeah, the Martini edition is what it's called. It's awesome. A very Parker Christmas. Uh, and by the way, if you have seen the movie called Parker uh, starring Jason Statham and you think that this character is not for you, uh, give it a try anyway because that movie yeah. was kind of, like, listen, it had fun moments, but that I was not a it. real Parker movie. Yeah, no, like it was fun, but it was not I don't feel like it really like captured the character, you know. No, but this this new one that I'm really looking forward to reading is called Slayground, and it is okay. Uh, Parker is in like an abandoned amusement park, setting amusement park traps for the law that is coming after him. And like I said, I haven't read Whoa. it yet. My description could be a little fuzzy, but that I think is what it is. And boy, boy, howdy! I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, yeah, that uh, that's really exciting. I'm actually I'm on Amazon right now buying them. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it, it is uh, it is pretty inexpensive on Amazon these days. Check it out. Um, and that I think is going to do it for the five stars, guys. We're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode twenty, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode twenty, marriage vacuum cleaner. And uh, Dave, why don't you give us a quick recap, then we'll get into the episode proper. Okay, so this episode is about a marriage vacuum cleaner. Uh, it's about a vacuum cleaner that uh, destroys marriages, actually, by vacuuming up love and a little girl's quest to save her sister and also experience her first crush. 
I think that's pretty, yeah. Yeah, I That's pretty solid. Feel good about that. Okay. Uh, actually, Matthew, very briefly, before we get started, uh-huh. I got something I want to bring up that somehow, even after 20 episodes, I have never noticed. Sure, go ahead. So in the opening to the show, we see uh, the, the jet machines form Jet Icarus, right? Uh-huh. And we see that, like, you know, the, some of them form the legs, and they kind of, like, fold up and back, and then they're the legs. And then, you know, there's a chest, and then the head comes out. And then we see, I think it's uh, the blue and black form the arms, right? Mm-hmm. So they fold back, and, like, the cockpits kind of fold in, and so they look like arms. And then fists just come out of nowhere and attach. Like, they don't fold out. Like, they're not part of the jet machine. They just come in from off camera and stick on. Uh, Where do those fists come uh, from? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they're, they're they're coming out of fist space, Dave. I just like I just, honestly, I, I have no idea. I assumed that they were like hiding inside of one of the like the jet machines, but now that I'm actually thinking about it, no clue, yeah, none I think so. whatsoever. Yeah, I just we're tw- again we're twenty episodes in, and I had never done like where where those fists coming from. Uh, but anyways, that's not actually part of the episode. I just wanted to bring that up. So as the episode opens up. We're at a wedding, and it's a lady, and she's kind of coming down. It looked like she was coming, like, after having just been married, uh, but it seems that that is not the case. And it's a little girl, not a little girl, she's probably, like, 13 or 14, and she says, like, oh, big sister, you're so beautiful. Like, let me take a picture. This is so wonderful. Like, I'm so happy for you and for us. And they're saying, okay, I don't know what their family situation is, but there is a girl and her older sister, and the older sister is getting married, and the, I forget if it's the younger sister, or uh, the older sister, or the uh, groom, but one of them says, this will be wonderful, we'll all three live together, and the girl is like, oh, I am truly loved, and then she starts taking pictures. Right. I think we've just got to assume that, like, sadly, you know, this these two sisters, their parents are dead. Because, like, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the, before they said that, it was kind of a weird thing. Because the older sister was like, I'll never leave you. Like, we'll be together forever. And I was like, you are leaving kind of right now? But I didn't realize that, you know, I guess their parents are dead. Uh, so that's kind of a weird bummer way to start the episode, Jetman. But well, whatever. Welcome to Jetman. So, dead parents. Uh, Although I guess, hey. you know, that is also welcome to Batman. Like, there's a lot, there are a, a number of very good things that open with dead parents. I'm not saying that that is a good thing to have happen. I'm just saying that in fiction, that is a maybe, good trope. Uh, <laughs> that was maybe a weird way to say that. Uh, so, okay, so anyways, this little girl is like snapping pictures and uh, and a, a vacuum cleaner, not the, like the head, I guess, the head of the vacuum cleaner, on a on a toes kind of comes out from a balcony and then there's a little sound effect and the big sister like stops takes a step back and says nah, I'm done with this like I'm out of here see you see you jerks later and the groom is like wait wait what what, what is happening and she's like no nah, I don't love you anymore I, in fact I might never, never have loved you 
yeah, I've got a lot of stuff I want to do, so I'm out. Peace. And she just leaves. Like, that's it. So, so we got to wedding we number two. Oh, by the way, yeah. the, the little girl, um, we get her name in there. Her name is Michiru. Yeah, it's awesome because, lo and behold, uh, Michiru is a pretty big character in this episode. And we know what her freaking name is, uh, you know, more than halfway through the episode. Yeah, or right, earlier than halfway right through the episode. Right away. So it is so that's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. So, well done, Jetman. 20 episodes in, you've sort of got that figured out. So, we go to another wedding. And we see Michiru is there. It seems like she's looking for her sister. Uh, that's not actually the case. What she's looking for is whatever happened to her sister. She doesn't know that it's the Viram. She just thinks that it's like, in her head, it's like a criminal is what she's saying. Yeah, like she, like something happened at her sister's wedding. And so now she is just going to weddings and taking pictures and observing to try to figure out what is happening. Which I've got to give it to her. That is like a lot more gumption than our heroes basically ever have. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's very true. Wow, good on you, Michiru. Okay, so, and she's right, because this, the exact same thing happens. Like, there's a girl, a bride, and she just basically is like, no, I'm out. You jerks are dumb, and I never want to see you again. Uh, the girl, like, she sees it like something is happening. And so she she starts to run and kind of, like, try to check out the situation. Guy shows up, is kind of seeing her move, like, going out of the corner of his eye. And then he notices, which she does not, that she is about to be hit by a truck. And he does like a running, flying somersault and then just stops a speeding truck. Okay, this is So we've had a couple of questions. Wonderful. Yeah, we've okay, so just real quickly, this is the what I was gonna uh, made me think about is that we've had a couple of questions about like just how super strong are the jetmen. Apparently it's strong enough to stop like a big truck, not like a Mack truck, but like Strong enough to stop a truck in the road just by pushing and against it. I, I so, want to be very clear about this. He has not, like, cross-changed into Black Condor. He is just, like, straight-up regular old guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, apparently, like, a pretty significant degree of super strength, which is rad. So, again, we don't actually know what cross-changing does for them. But... In uh, any case, bird blasters. Bird blasters. Bird blasters are great. <laughs> We're gonna get a great bird blaster Bring moment later in this episode. An awesome bird blaster moment. Okay, I was. This is down in my notes. Oh, I'm excited oh, to dude, talk about it. Trust me, it is in my notes as well. But for now, thankfully, Guy is strong enough to save a young girl from getting crushed by a truck. Right. We find out uh, the reason why she's running across the street is because she saw like a vacuum cleaner. And I don't know why she connects this to what's happening, but she just says vacuum cleaner. Like that's whatever's going on. That's involved somehow. And so she was running across the street to try and catch it when she almost got hit by the truck and guy saves her. Dude, maybe again, I I am choosing to go with this theory on this episode is that Michiru is like the only person in Japan who has been paying attention to Jetman. (laughs) 
She's like, this is weird. That's a giant vacuum cleaner. Those definitely don't exist. It's probably connected. I like that. Like, sometimes there's a giant needle thing and we've got problems. Sometimes there's, like, a building that stands up and is evil. Maybe this giant vacuum cleaner is the source of this weird magic problem we're seeing. So good on you, Mitru. Mitru, some verdonic waves. Yeah, really. So... So we cut away from there, and we see uh, Guy and the Michiru, and they are at like a little restaurant diner. A guy has bought the girl a hamburger, and she says, "Like I don't understand." Like we've hopped in the middle of this scene, and she's saying, "I don't get it." My sister was great; uh, she loved her fiance, she loved me, and kind of out of nowhere, she just leaves. And and Guy, because <laughs> Guy is Guy like, is. As ever, like a huge jerk, and does not give like the mind or heart of a woman basically any credit whatsoever. Right? It's like it's like, oh yeah, uh, you just can't trust a woman's heart. I think they, what, they what is it that he says? Like the that, like, slightest thing. Like the the heart of a woman is like an autumn sky. I think. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of, you know, sort of poetic, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a <laughs> yeah, poetic like, for dicks. Oh, yeah, that's just a thing that happens. He's like, I'm real sorry to tell you, little girl, uh, but your sister was probably faithless anyways and changeable, so, uh, so you know, whatever. Uh, and she's like, no, listen, you do not understand my sister. There is a real problem. That problem involves a vacuum cleaner, and we need to figure it out. You need to help me. Right, which I was like, she's a little, she just like jumps right in. She has met this dude like maybe 20 minutes ago, and she's like, no, you and me, like we'll solve this thing together. Okay, listen, she knows two things about this one guy. Thing number one is that like he is willing to take like a little girl out to dinner if she seems distraught. Thing number two is that he is strong enough to stop a like car from hitting her like in the middle of the street. Uh, okay, yeah, actually, that does make if a lot I of sense. If I was her and I had kind of lucked into this that. dude, I'd be like, okay, we got a problem, you and me, let's take care of this. I'll be the brains, <laughs> you be the brawn. <laughs> and so, guys, like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 that's not happening. Uh, you're just like, he's like, I bought you dinner, you're just trying to use me, like, I got other things to do, like, you need to back up off my space. And this is wonderful. <laughs> she, like, this is amazing. She calls him out. She's like, "You bought me a cheap burger. Like, don't don't talk about how you took me out to dinner. Uh, and if you can't help, I'm gonna find somebody who can." What's well, great is and she's like, "You bought like, me right. a cheap burger, and I didn't complain. So right now oh, we're right. even." <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, and so, guys, like, listen, uh, I'm out. Like, he, and he just leaves. Like, he leaves this little girl kind of to her uh, own devices, and he's out. So after Guy leaves, we get a real quick scene of another wedding that is being ruined. And now we kind of get a little bit more detail. Uh, that there's, So the wedding is happening, and, like, the befanged vacuum cleaner head, which is apparently vacuum cleaner dimension's mouth, kind of sneaks up on this woman. And then you see, like, a little animated heart appear over her which then gets sucked into vacuum cleaner dimension. So he is vacuuming up hearts and love. Uh, yeah. Which makes 
just like no kind of sense. Listen, it, it makes Viram just, sense. That is as much sense as it ever needs to make. He is a vacuum cleaner and man. he eats love. Okay, so the vacuum cleaner dimension eats love. And as we guess, like, this is the basis of what's happening is that he is stealing the love from these women uh, and they are kind of leaving their fiancés slash families at the altar. Okay, so we cut back to Sky Camp. And Guy has apparently explained what happened to him this afternoon to the rest of the Jetmen, and they are berating him for letting this girl leave. This is amazing, because clearly he's told them the whole story, and you can tell from his face that Guy told them this story with the preface of, like, you guys are not going to believe the dumb thing that happened to me today. <laughs> like, I saved like, a girl from had... getting, like, murdered by a runaway car, and this is the thing that she made me do, or try to do. <laughs> right, and I bought her a hamburger, and now she's trying to get me to do this stupid thing. Like, you can very much tell that he told his, like, sort of friends, expecting some sympathy uh, and he gets like, nothing. Right. They're like, guy, no, you you need to help her. She's a little girl, and this is clearly a monster. And I maybe it's uh, Kauri that says, um, like, well, maybe, you know, maybe she just had second thoughts about marriage. Was it Kauri that says this? Uh, yeah, Kauri does. She says something about marriage, and Akko... Uh, taking any opportunity to remind everyone that Kaori is super into Ryu brings it up again. She's like, well, some people do, but like some people would never have second thoughts about marriage. Am I right, Kaori? Like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, wait, no, dude, dude. I I think you misread that because I think what's happening is that uh, Akko is bringing up the fact that like, oh, yeah. Some people have second thoughts about marriage, right, Kauri? Because remember that episode where Kauri, like, walked out of her <laughs> wedding? <laughs> that's right. I actually had completely forgotten about that. Uh, that's actually even funnier. Because, again, so... listen, one thing that I love about Akko is that Akko exists in this show and reacts to things as though she has been watching the show. <laughs> Akko is no respecter of persons. So Kauri um, is sort of embarrassed by this exchange. Whether Dave is right or I am right, in either case, that is an exchange that embarrasses Kauri. And she sort of turns away and she's looking at the screens. And she sees, because apparently the like the observation deck in Sky Camp is just watching the local news, and it cuts to uh Michiru. On, like, a rooftop threatening to jump. Yeah, and her condition for not jumping is that Guy shows up. So the other Jetmen turn to Guy and they're like, uh, dude, Guy, this maybe was a little bit more uh, serious than you thought it was. You should probably go take care of this. Yeah, and like, listen, Guy, Guy can be like a metaphorical monster sometimes, but he is not a literal monster. And so he's like, okay, yes, we are going to go and save this young girl. And let me, okay, let me hop in real quick with a note on uh, Guy's, like, morality and likability. I feel like this episode was written because the people who are making this show, like, watched 
two episodes ago and we're like, ooh, this guy is one of our heroes. We need to make sure that people still like him and recognize that he is supposed to be a good guy. And so we are going to make a guy episode about him being good. So this is kind of a redemption of his character from the last bit. It seems. Yeah, because he is, like, in this, he's pretty... He's a good oh, dude. Oh, this is, this is actually, this is a very nice highlight episode for Guy. Okay, so we jump right from there to, uh, we actually do see Guy, and he has uh, made it out to the roof where this, like, little girl is up on the thing, and he runs out, and just so we remember that, like, he's not, like, a totally great guy, <laughs> the first thing he says far. is he's just like, right, he's like, hey, you are like blackening my name all over Japan. Like, stop it. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, and then this is amazing because she yells at him for taking his time. She's like, you took your sweet time getting out here. Like, what's the deal? Were you like busy or something? You had something uh, better to like, do than save the life of a child. Right. I like that Mitru is like very aware and uh, is willing to use to her advantage the fact that, like, she is a little girl and needs saving. And she is, like, aware that that, that is what Guy is supposed to be doing. And so Guy says, like, listen, fine, fine. Like, I'm here now. Let's just, like, I'll help you out. Let's do like, this. get down from Whatever there. stupid thing it is that you want me to do. <laughs> right. And so she's like, get down from there. And she says, uh, I would... But but now I actually am stuck up here. Like I can't get down. Right. I have effectively, uh, which is myself. not actually right. Which it turns out is not a big deal because the next scene we see her and, and she's totally fine. So in the next scene when she is fine, she is not only off the roof, but they have gone to uh, the apartment where Michiru and her sister live. And right. her sister is like cold. Like she is now like totally devoid of love. But like she's fine. But- she's not in a coma or anything. Yeah, she's not, like, physically harmed or anything. She's just, all her love is gone. That's, you know, that's it. And Mitri was like, sister, please turn back to the way that I know you are. And her sister's like, listen, I'm not going to get married just because you want me to. Like, I have a life to live and stuff to do. Uh, Back off me. Yeah, like, chill out. I'm doing stuff. We don't know what she's doing, but uh, she's apparently doing... Something. And then people are like, oh, no, 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 you need to do something. And Guy sort of like sneaks in. He's like, no, man, listen, I get it. You don't want to get married. Listen, why don't I take you out? We'll go get a drink. It'll be cool. We'll just have like cool single guy times. Um, And she just completely shoots him down, which is great. And what is it's especially great. great about it is the next scene. <laughs> yeah so we go we jump down and we just see it's the jet men and like they're all kind of walking together and guy is just like he doesn't quite have his face in his hands but he's just deeply befuddled like he's like i don't i asked her out because <laughs> now and nothing. now he believes that there is something wrong he's like i asked her out and she didn't budge like there clearly yeah. is something wrong with this woman. <laughs> How could she have resisted <laughs> the guy? The concept that 
that some girl would just completely shut him down is so alien that this is what convinces Guy that she has no love in her heart. And uh, Raita calls him out yes. on it. He's like, no, I, I get it. Raita- I, like, I could totally believe that you would ask a girl out and she would say no. Why is that, like, so weirdly alien to you? And Guy, Guy actually has, like, a, a semi-decent answer. He's like, listen, even if she wasn't going to go out with me, anybody, if you approach them and say that they're like, oh, hey, like, how you doing? There's at least, like, a flicker of something. Like they're at least going he to says, react like, in some way. Right. And he says, this person didn't, re- like, uh, why well, I don't know the sister's name. He says, she doesn't do anything. And so it actually kind of does make a little more sense that Guy, this is not just an eco trip for Guy. Um, you know, he pays attention. He understands how these things work. Listen, in Guy's life, he probably asks a woman out, I'm going to say, every day. So he's probably been turned oh, down enough that he knows what it looks like. And this looks weird to him. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we jump from there to the Viram dimension, and we see Tran. Like we see, uh, sorry, we see vacuum cleaner dimension, and he's kind of like on the ground. He's like, "Oh yes, this love is so delicious. Like it's so good. Like I want to eat more of it." And then Tran says something real weird, because Tran says, "I knew I was right. It feeds on love." Here's the weird thing about that. He says, I knew I was right, as though he was waiting for confirmation. Like, Viram commanders, do you guys not know what these monsters do before you summon them? Is this just kind of a crapshoot? Okay, here here is my new idea about this. And listen... I'm going to have a new idea about what the like dimensional the dimensional beasts are like kind of every episode because it's never consistent. But in this episode at least, it seems as though the dimensional beasts are like the monsters in Monster Rancher. Like okay, I've got a CD, I'm going to put it okay, uh in case you're not 30, uh Monster Rancher was a game on the PlayStation. Dang, that game was cool. Uh, and it was kind of like I don't know. It was in the Pokemon like genre of games where you were like collecting and training up monsters. But the way that you got the monsters is that you took a CD or another video game and you put it in the PlayStation and it read the disc and based on whatever was on that disc, it would spit out some monster. And then you would have that and you'd put it right. in your like your collection and you would train it up and do you would ranch it, I guess. It's a monster rancher. So maybe right. it's like that. Dude, He's like, it was okay, awesome. I'm going to take this dimensional spider scorpion and I'm going to put it on a vacuum cleaner. And we're just going to see what happens. Man, okay, yeah, sure. I guess that makes as much sense as anything. Please forget that I said that because next week I'm going to have a totally different theory because I know what episode we're getting next week. And dudes, next week's episode is... And I know I've said this often, so please, (laughs) please do not think that this is just another time that I'm saying that the episode is bananas in the same way that they have previously been. Next week's episode, bananas. Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) We will get to that next week. Uh, 
So, uh, Radigan is sort of like off to the side and he's looking at them and he just like kind of talks some more dirt on them. He's like, uh, yeah, it's stupid and you guys are all stupid. You just wait till Simimaru grows up and then it's all going to be over. And then we get like a quick shot of Simimaru and it grows a little bit. And now it has like a shell, like an outer carapace with some like low grade spikes on it. Okay. So Simimaru getting bigger. So here's, here's the great we'll see thing what he turns about into later. the Virum's plan this week is that their plan is the longest of games. Here is their yeah. plan, because they want to wipe out humanity. This is not an immediate victory for them. Their plan is that they have created a monster that will destroy love and so that no one will ever get married or love each other again. Right? And so what yeah. that means is that no one will get married, no one will be in love, and no one will have more children. So that in... A generation, humanity will just die out of old age because no one likes each other enough to have more kids. That is their plan this week for world domination. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) They're just planning to wait us out. Like, that's their idea. We'll just steal Uh, love for 80 years, and then eventually they'll all be dead. So, Which so means we go that back to, assuming go back that to the Tokyo. vacuum cleaner dimension will be present at every single like meeting of a lover's couple in the world for 80 years. I just want to stress how much like pressure they are putting on this guy. <laughs> this is yeah, this is a Big commitment to this plan. And they are talking about it as uh, though it is like a slam dunk plan. <laughs> Trans like, this is what's going to happen. Like, blah, blah, blah. And he is just like, yeah. And then in a generation, they'll all be dead. Okay. I just wanted to not let that moment pass before we really let that sink in. So let's get back to the episode. Okay, so uh, we go back to Japan or Tokyo, I guess, and uh, Guy is just kind of hanging out, and he sees another running bride. So the vacuum tube, he like he sees the vacuum tube and he chases it, and like this vacuum hose is apparently crazy long because he is like it's retreating back into vacuum cleaner dimension, and he is chasing it for a solid fifteen seconds across a lot of terrain. But he does, he makes it to, like, a park, and he eventually, like, manages to, like, leap and grab hold of the vacuum cleaner head, which he is, like, yanking on, and we see that vacuum cleaner dimension is actually, like, halfway in and halfway out of our dimension, and so he gets pulled through the dimensional rift via his hose, I guess, And, uh, and then the fight commences. And so Guy tries to fight him on his own, and uh, it is not going well. Like, he starts to lose the fight. The yeah. girl, uh, Michiru, shows up. Um, and then, right before, like, Guy is going to really get beat, the rest of the Jetmen will show up. Right. Uh, so the Jetmen arrive. They save the girl. Apparently, Vacuum Cleaner Dimension can throw himself into reverse. And he has, like, a super, like, wind attack. So he blows all the Jetmen away, and I guess he just bugs out, not wanting... Like, you know, he has eaten the love of this couple, and so he's like, I'm good for now, and so he leaves. So, Michiru 
is furious with Guy. And she's like, you yeah. are not even good at fighting. You just have a big mouth this and is... you run it all over town and you are not helping solve this problem. Dude. Uh, yeah, and Guy is like, hold up. Hold up. Like, we just fought a giant monster. Like, like, what did you do in this situation? Like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, defending himself. Michiru returns with, like, oh, so you're going to take it out on a little girl because you were too weak to fight that monster? Like, get better, dude. Yeah, like, don't get mad at me because you just, suck. Yeah, and then she just walks away. Dude. She just leaves. Michiru is the best. Yeah, dude. This girl spits bars. Uh, so she just leaves. Michiru, having dropped the mic, uh, she's gone. Kaori says to Guy, because Guy's like, what the heck? Like, what is going on? Kaori goes to Guy and she's like, dude, this girl is clearly, this little girl is like clearly into you. Like, do you not get that? And Guy's like, I, uh, no, I got no idea what you're talking about. Uh, no. Like, he has no idea. And Kyrie's like, listen, dude, she like she has a crush on you. Like, she's super into you. Um, and she guy is, just like, is, she kind is of just like, winding you up because she knows that if she makes you mad, you will try harder. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And so uh, we, we leave there. We go to space camp, and it's just the Jetmen sitting around. Uh, Ryu somehow knows the entire like the entire virum plan like the whole thing about like eating love no one will have kids and eventually all humans will die out because no one's like making babies ryu lays that out for the jetman he's like oh this is what they're gonna do obviously yeah like they're just gonna keep eating wedding love until we are no more as a species and then the chief has, like, the goofiest grin on her face because she has a great idea. Yeah, and it is an amazing idea. So the next scene we see is a church. It is a fake wedding where Guy and Akko are pretending to be bride and groom. Raita and Ryu are, like, off to the side, peeking over the pews. Like, hiding behind the pews. Yeah, as though, but they're dressed like they're supposed to be wedding guests. Ryu inexplicably is wearing, like, fake glasses. Yeah, like, he is in a disguise and also hiding. So, (laughs) I don't know. So, they do see vacuum cleaner. uh, It's kind of, like, sneaking up and, like, snaking around. They're like, okay, cool. It takes the bait. Guy, uh, the priest, says, like, you may kiss the bride. Guy goes to kiss Akko. And she's like, wait, 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 hold up. Wait, are we actually going to, do we have to kiss? And it's my, and then she says, this is my first kiss. Like, I didn't really want it to be with you. She doesn't say that, but it's implied. Oh, yeah, definitely and implied. guy, <laughs> guy has the best rejoinder. He says, we have to. It's for world peace. <laughs> Which, listen, uh, a quick tip out there to you dudes. Maybe not the best line. <laughs> Unless it actually is for world uh, peace. I don't know. It was about to work. It was going to work. But because Michiru is also watching this happen. I guess she is for some reason involved in this whole process. And she like loses it because she has this like little this, you know, teenage crush on Guy. So she like rushes in, like 
slams open the doors and says like, no guy, you can't. I don't want you to kiss her. This, of course, triggers vacuum cleaner dimension right. to un- realize that this whole thing is a setup and he books it. So then all of the Jetmen go chasing after vacuum dimension. Well, okay, hold up. It's actually not all of the Jetmen yet. It is at first, it's just Ryu, Raita, and Kaori. So they go chasing after it, and like they are about to catch up on it, and he turns around and does his like super blowy attack at them, right? Right. And this, this is when Guy and Akko show up. And what they do is they like run onto the scene and then jump directly into the attack that is already ongoing. <laughs> like he's got like a tornado blowy attack on the other jetman, and Guy and Akko just like dive into it and then are hurt. So they get knocked into the pile with uh, Ryu and Kaori and Raito. Yeah, Michiru runs up and is like, "Oh, Guy, are you okay?" And her heart swells with love for Guy. Vacuum Dimension senses that love and sucks it right up. Yeah. And then Mitsuru just collapses because apparently the only thing keeping this young girl walking is her love for Guy, I guess? Well, okay. So I think the idea is that, like, it sucks up your love, and I think it takes all of your love, right? Because older sister didn't just ditch fiance; she also ditches Michiru. Okay, so okay, no prize you know, this for so, me. Why does she then collapse into a coma? Is it because children are composed uh, oh, of no, mostly no. love? I'm I'm not saying that all that's keeping her going is her love, just not necessarily only for guy. Okay, you see okay. what I mean. I'll buy it. She's got a little sister love in there, you know, some guy, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all gone now. But it it seems as though this girl is going to die unless her love is returned. And this is when Guy gets great. Yeah. So he, like, looks down and he, like, he has kind of like a quick flashback of her, like, their interactions, and he kind of, like, rages out and just, like, runs off by himself searching for a vacuum cleaner dimension. We see him. He's on his bike. He has changed out of the white tux that he was pretending to get married in. I'm not sure why. Uh, But we see him on his bike, and he's just, like, driving around, like, looking furious and thinking back to all of the interactions he's had with Michiru. And it's wonderful because in this moment, Guy goes full Sailor Moon. Like, Guy, at this point, exists only to, like, punish a monster who has, like, attacked the love of a young girl. It's the best. So he finally finds Vacuum Cleaner Dimension and, like, hops off of his bike and calls Vacuum Cleaner Dimension out. And then the music hits. And listen, I don't know what this music is. I don't speak Japanese, but I don't think we've heard it in the show before, and it's this, like, great, like, background music to the rest of this fight. Yeah. So Guy, like, walks up on the monster, and he does the best cross-change we've seen yet. Like, I know we've talked about other great cross-changes, and this is the new best one. This is Die Ranger level great, like, transformation. 
Yeah. So he's just like striding towards vacuum cleaner dimension. He doesn't like hit his thing. There's just like a flash of like blue black energy behind him. And then like an energy silhouette. And then he's black condor. He doesn't break stride. Nothing. Uh, he just does like the slow walk cross change. It's very much like a uh, Hulk in the Avengers. Uh, that's my secret. I'm always angry. Like super punch moment. Yeah, it's great. And then it's rap. he just takes out vacuum cleaner dimension solo. Yeah, like he does not uh, even so wait for like, the other four to show up. He just like pulls out his sword and starts murdering this fool. So they're going back and forth. Uh, he like leads with a drop, like he leads with like a flying kick that hits. Vacuum cleaner dimension goes flying. Uh, Bringer sword comes out. Vacuum cleaner dimension is, I think, just fighting with like vacuum cleaner attachment sword. I guess it's yeah, it's something like that. They go to fight. This is the awesome bird blaster moment we yes. were talking about. Matt, go for okay. it. So they're fighting back and forth. They're like fencing with the swords. Uh, vacuum dimension sort of comes down with a vertical cut at Guy. Guy goes up with his sword and blocks it. And while he is blocking the sword above him, like he pulls his bird blaster out of his holster and shoots Vacuum Dimension. And me describing it might not sound that great, but in the moment, it is wonderful. Yeah. He just, like, gut shots him. It's super great. Uh, and so Vacuum Cleaner Dimension is on the ropes. Uh, guy leaps up with a move called Condor Finish, which is just him jumping and attacking with his sword. Uh, it's not, I feel like, as cool as it could have been, but whatever. Uh, vacuum Cleaner Dimension goes down, turns into a giant Vacuum Cleaner Dimension, as the Vacuum Dimension Beasts are wont to do. And this this is the new best <laughs> moment in this episode, guys. Is like guy looks at giant vacuum cleaner dimension is just like all right we're doing this I guess and just jumps up with his bringer sword does not and call he is his just jet gonna machine. tackle yeah nothing he is just gonna tackle the giant machine like on his own right like how dare you like steal the love of a young girl I'm not even gonna bother getting my like jet machine thing. I'm just going to stab you in the face with my sword until you die. I don't care how big you Dude, are. This, this is, is happening. Oh my gosh. This is so good. This is almost as good as the time Daigo punches his way out of hell. Dude. It's, it's up there, it's man. Great. This is an incredible moment. Uh, okay. But now, okay. It does not actually go out, go work out very well for guy. Uh, because Vacuum Cleaner Dimension is giant. So he goes to attack. He gets knocked back. He's about to be crushed by Vacuum Cleaner Dimension, but Jet Icarus to the rescue. So the other Jetmen have finally caught up. They see that, I guess, Vacuum Cleaner Dimension's already giant, and they just jump straight to Jet Icarus. They don't even bother to cross-change, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, they're just riding around in the cockpit of Jet Icarus, like, in their, like, flight suits. Yeah, this actually, I think, further confirms my theory that the power of five thing is still like, I think they have to be in some sort of general proximity to each other before they can cross-change. No, because, because Guy it just, just cross-changed by himself while striding across a field. Oh, uh, yeah, dang it. Yeah, you're right. Well, maybe that was like a special case. I don't know, man. But they're not cross-changed for reasons I don't understand. Uh, Guy sort of like 
gets beamed into the thing and then they cross change and then they're sort of fighting with with vec and cleaner dimension and it's a pretty good fight and what makes it a great fight is that they don't immediately go to Bradonic saber in fact they don't yeah, go to Bradonic saber they never go to at saber no uh first they have uh Bradonic spear right jet spear jet spear uh, jet spear, and then like they do one or two shots with that, and then I think this is actually kind of a cool thing that they're apparently able to just kind of like switch out weapons on the fly because they're summoning them from somewhere else. So they do the spear, and then they have the hammer, and then uh, you say we've seen it before. I didn't remember it, but they have like a ball and chain. Yeah, it is. Uh, they were like they call it ball and crusher. Chain. Yeah, which is awesome. And they just murder this vacuum cleaner with a building-sized ball and chain. It's... Listen, yeah. oh. I like this show a lot. I had a good time watching that happen. Um, so he goes down, and then, like, all the animated hearts fly out of vacuum cleaner dimension. And, uh, you know, we would assume that everybody gets their love back, which is great. So, fight's Final over. Scene. We cut down to the, the Jetman, now untransformed, walking around with Michiru. And it is clear that, like, she is now back up and running. Her love has been restored. Her sister is there. Like, everything is now hunky-dory. Back with the fiancé. Everything's great. So, they're all just kind of standing there. And then uh, Michiru kind of sort of, like, takes Guy's hand and leads him away from everyone else. And she says, Guy, like, I have something to tell you. And he's like, okay, what? And she's like, well, you know. And then she just says, I just, I wish you had been born ten years later. Guy, in I think a very nice attempt to sort of like let this girl down easy, says, well, I wish you had been born 10 years earlier. Nevertheless, a weird thing to say. Right. I think that is one of those things that like, in I, Guy's I, head like registers as like, I will be sweet to this young girl. And to anyone else watching it is like, Guy, are you hitting on a 13-year-old? Right. Are you like low-key hitting on this girl? Because that's not, that's not okay. Uh, I don't think he is. No, he is it's absolutely just, not. But it's it, a, right, phrasing yeah. guy. It's phrasing. just a weird moment. Phrasing. Anyway, uh, so that's, that's it. The episode. That's, that's the vacuum cleaner of the wedding vacuum cleaner. Uh, Dave, cleaner of love. What was your high point in this episode? Okay, uh, I'm torn, but I am gonna go with guy just flying bringer sorting the giant vacuum cleaner dimension. Because, by the way, he doesn't attack like its foot. He just executes like a 50-foot vertical and tries to stab yes. this giant monster in the face. Yes, he does. Um, so I think that's got to be my best moment. moment, man. How about you? Um, you might think that I'm going to say that my favorite moment of the episode is Guy's cross-change, where he does it like mid-stride like a boss. And I did love that ep- moment. I genuinely thought you were going to, yeah. But... Uh, just because your moment was like a minute away from that, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to say that my high point was Michiru. And just like the yeah. degree to which Michiru was not 
willing to put up with guys' nonsense and, like, was totally, at any given moment, like, half a second away from putting him 100% on blast. Michiru was great. <laughs> what was your low point? Man, uh, this is a great episode. I think my only low point is that, like, the idea that it was a vacuum cleaner monster I thought was, like, kind of stupid. I thought they could have just come up with, like, a better thing for that. Like, I don't know off the top of my head what it would be, but I'm also not, like, a television professional. So I just felt like vacuum cleaner monster was kind of stupid. Um, but aside from that... I don't know, man. It, this thing was pretty awesome. Uh, do you have a low point? I mean, if I had to pick a low point on this episode, it would be that the Viram commanders <laughs> were, like, so invested on this weird 80-year-long plan to kill people out through depopulation by erasing love one person at a time. Like, it was great in the yeah, episode, but if I had to, like, if tenable. I was on their, like, administrative team, if I was, like, a Viram secretary, I might sort of bring <laughs> that up in the weekly meeting. Like, guys, listen, this seems to be going great. Uh, I love what you're doing with the vacuum cleaner. This week, with it erasing love, it. love and causing, like, non-marriages all over Japan, I think we're off to a great start. But maybe, just maybe, and listen, I could be wrong. I'm not a commander. You are. I'm not. I just want, I would feel silly if I didn't say it. Maybe. I mean, listen. Maybe. Maybe. Let's just workshop this a little bit more because <laughs> you are relying on a lot of things to make sure that this goes off correctly. Uh, so I think that's it for us, man, right? Yeah, that is going to do it for one more episode of the Jetman with the Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I would like to remind you all, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, uh, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help other people find the show. Thank you so much if you've done that or have recommended it to a friend or, you know, have just done whatever. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of the Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.